0: The Premed Year session number two hundred and sixty-seven. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years Podcast. As I said at the beginning, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm excited that you are here. I have somebody, a student, who is in medical school and also has a very, very strong Instagram following. And Catherine shares her journey, why she does everything she does on Instagram, how that's helped her or hurt her and so much more. So if you're here because Catherine said that you should be here, then thank you for joining me. If this is the first time you've joined me here on the Pre-Med Years, I would love for you to subscribe. Every week, we have amazing guests that tell their stories or share information to help you be a better pre-med. So let's go ahead and dive in and say hi to Catherine. Catherine, welcome, and thank you for joining me on the Pre-Med Years.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited.
0: I am excited too, because you are such a well-known Instagram personality <laughs> out in this world. And I'm excited to take the picture that people have of you from Instagram and actually have a conversation with you and see who you are really behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't necessarily get to see that side of me. So I'm definitely excited to show them.
0: Yeah, we're going to peel back the, the layers of the <laughs> onion, so to speak. When did you first realize that you wanted to be a physician?
1: Um so it's kind of a funny story. So I was when I was a kid, I always I was I mean kids are impressionable. So I see these things on TV and I think they're cool. So I was watching an episode of House and I can't tell you which episode it was, but I was 10 and um it was I the show was like running at that time and House was, I just remember him, like, walking towards the camera in a hallway, and I thought, hmm, this sounds really cool, like, <laughs> everything that he does, which, what he does, he's not, like, the type of doctor he is doesn't exist.
0: I want to be a jerk to patients and to my <laughs> colleagues. That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, and I'm in a specialty that doesn't actually exist.
0: Yeah, the, I forget his specialty, like, um.
1: They oh. called him a diagnostician.
0: Yeah, but, like, I, I forget the The plaque that he had on his door, what set the Department of Medicine he was in, was was ridiculous. But that show was out, I think, when I was in medical school, and we loved it. We loved it to as we were starting, and then the more we watched, and I continued to enjoy it. But my wife Allison, she's like, "That's ridiculous. That would never happen." And she was such a nerd. She's like, "That's not the diagnosis." And I'm like, "Stop. It's TV." <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, when I was a kid, I thought it was like the holy grail and it was like the coolest thing. And then I guess the idea just stuck with me and I really pursued it for since then. But even looking at looking back now, I can barely watch it because it's just so ridiculous and outrageous.
0: How do you go from watching a TV show to getting the experience in real life that confirms what you watched? was actually what you want to do? Because that's something that I talk about and I joke about all the time. I'm like, you shouldn't want to be a doctor just because you watched House or Grey's Anatomy. There there needs to be something else that follows that up.
1: Yeah. So I don't think anything really happened. It was just always this idea in my mind and uh, going through elementary, middle and high school. But my junior year of high school was a really defining year for me. Um My dad, First of all, at the beginning of the year, had a um, TIA, which is a transient ish I can't even talk Ischemic. right now. <laughs> Ischemic attack, which is like a mini stroke, basically. Um, and that was the first time I had ever experienced an emergency before, um, and that was pretty traumatizing. Um, and then later that year, I saw an open heart surgery because I was taking this anatomy class. It was really basic. It was high school anatomy. Um, And I really loved it. And I actually wrote my um, college essay on that open heart surgery because it was about seven hours long. We stayed the entire time and I watched it and I couldn't take my eyes off the surgery. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And then following that, um, it was right after that, my dad had surgery for uh, cubital tunnel syndrome and about two days after that, he actually had a heart attack. Um, he's fine now. Um, but that was kind of the first time where I kind of had a little bit of knowledge base and I had experienced an emergency earlier that year with his, um, TIA. So I kind of handled it a lot differently than I had the first time. And I, I knew, I knew he was either having a pulmonary embolism or a heart attack. Um, and so I was the one who called 911. I had, like, jumped out of bed because I could hear my parents yelling. And I was calm throughout the entire thing. But the only part of that that, like, I was not calm about was the fact that I had zero control over the situation. And that's when I realized that I was 100% going to be a doctor.
0: And how old were you at that point?
1: 17.
0: Uh, okay. So still in high school, still early on trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a scary situation. And, and very similar to, to my story a little bit with my my dad died when I was 17. And so that was kind of my first big exposure hanging out at the hospital for several days while he was on life support and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So yeah, yeah. It's, it can be a very transformative experience.
1: Yeah, well, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. Thank you. It's, um, it's funny,
0: a lot of students, they're scared to talk about that experience. They're like, oh, everybody's, everybody talks about a family member that gets sick or everybody talks about a time when they were sick as a kid and they they interacted with the doctors and they said, oh, this is what I want to do. Did you, as you were formalizing your personal statement and your story for why you wanted to be a doctor, did you try to run away from that story or did you embrace it and, and go full on with it?
1: Uh, no, I embraced it. I um, a. Ab- Good part of my essay was actually that defining moment for me when my dad did have a heart attack, um, and my dad, like my dad, read it. He knows that I talked about it because I think it was such a crucial part of my story, and that I had I had to tell it for mm. them to know who I was.
0: Yeah, that's huge. It's it's funny that I had an interview a couple weeks ago with the dean of. Michigan State's College of Osteopathic Medicine, and he's like, 80% of the essays that I read are the same. They, they yeah. all talk about a, a, a family member or, or, or their story. And he's like, that's not the problem. The problem is they, they kind of ignore all of the personal stuff that kind of goes along with it. And uh, so if you're listening to this and you're worried about your personal statement, don't worry about your quote unquote generic or cliche journey. If it's your journey, it's your journey. You just had to embrace it and tell it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was. I started reading personal statements after I got in, um, so people who were applying this cycle, and a lot of them, the things that I saw were, I like science, um, yeah. I saw this, and this happened to my family member, and it was a very impersonal description of what had happened, yeah. or like a patient that they saw while shadowing or something. Um, and it was always the same basic things, but there was no personal story to them.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, as we're discussing this, I just got back my draft of my manuscript from the editor for my personal statement book. So hopefully, <laughs> everybody who reads the book will write amazing personal statements that you can read in the future.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. And um, I like—I'm always brutally honest. With I read a ton of personal statements, and I'm brutally honest. If I don't like it, I'm—I'm going to say you need to go back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah, good. So let's talk about your, your pre-med journey. When you realized you had this defining moment, you're like, yes, I, I, Dr. House it is, this is what I wanna do. <laughs> How did you choose where to go to college and what to study?
1: Um, so I didn't have the greatest experience in high school, so I knew for sure that I was going out of state. And it's funny cuz my I have a twin brother and he was the exact same. He he ended up going on to Florida and I um I actually really wanted to go to University of Pittsburgh cuz of their neuroscience program and I knew I wanted to do something with neuroscience. But um I think at, there was just a point where I was applying to random schools and UConn happened to be one of those random schools and I got in, but not only did I get in, I got a scholarship. And I always tell high schoolers this when they're asking me, what should I do in choosing colleges? One thing that is important and people don't realize is money actually is more important than the name of the school. I'm not talking (laughs) about like Harvard. Like I would always say like, you should go to Harvard. That would be amazing. (laughs) But um, if like I got into another uh, into a private school, that's probably a bigger name. But it would have cost me twice as much to go there as it would have to go to UConn. Yeah. Um, and I just, I ended up visiting the school after I got in and I just fell in love with it. And that's another thing is you want to feel at home in college. Um, more, I I always say money and feeling at home are the two most important things for choosing a school.
0: Too many Uh students, both high school to college and then college to medical school. Look at that prestige. They look at that name on on the the diploma and they go is is this going to help me or I know this is going to help me so I I need to go to the the more prestigious institution and I I had a conversation once with the mom of a pre-med student and they were trying to go back and forth and I'm like look it doesn't matter just go to where he wants to go it doesn't matter that one has this tiny bit of different of research opportunity he's going to make the best of it wherever he goes
1: exactly and also whether it's going to college or going to med school go where you're going to be happy because if you're not happy you're not going to do well and that's just a fact
0: yeah if you're not going to do well you're not going to get into med school and then life is over
1: yeah exactly (laughs) and like I've heard from other med students who are applying the same cycle as me now I had one option I only got into one school but they had multiple options and when it came down to it they realized that the des- their decision and the reasons they made that decision to go to whatever school they went to weren't necessarily the best, wasn't necessarily the best decision. And now they're unhappy.
0: Yeah. Can't have that. So you went to UConn, it was cheaper, nice state school for you. What was the the biggest thing that you struggled with being a pre-med student? Um, pr-
1: that's a hard one. <laughs> um, probably just the pressure of it, like having so much to do. And that's something I love about med school is there's a lot less pressure because we're in med school. Whereas when you're pre-med, you have to volunteer, you have to be in clubs, you have to have leadership positions and research and this and that and that and do well in school. And I think that was like the hardest thing for me was trying to get all of that without being overly stressed.
0: How did you figure out this this picture of the perfect applicant, which is where most students start with. They go, okay, the the perfect medical school applicant has a 4.0 GPA, has all these leadership experiences and volunteer experiences, and so this is what I need to look like. How did you f- figure out what that looked like?
1: Um, I had some people who were ahead of me who knew, and they were the ones who were helping me. So I had kind of peer mentors, people who are either a year or two ahead of me mostly. And I was very involved with our pre-med society, um, from the beginning and they were really helpful. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And to be honest, I was horrible at like seeking out help for figuring these things out. And I encourage people to not be like that. Like it's okay to ask other people more. Whereas I was just like, Oh, like I'm going to like figure it out on my own and not ask anybody for help.
0: How do you ask when the typical, unfortunately, the typical pre-med environment is very cutthroat? And so you don't want to ask your friend because then you're like, maybe they're telling me the wrong information.
1: Um, I think it's like finding the right people. Like I have one friend in particular who we're actually, it's funny because our roles are reversed now because he took some time off and now he needs some help with the application process next year. But um, he was really, he was not cutthroat at all. He was very helpful he was trying to help me get research research positions, and um, he gave me all kinds of information and everything. So I think it's finding the right people. And to be honest, the majority of my friends were not pre-med, so I don't think I ever experienced the cutthroat, um, just because I, I, I mean, I have heard from at UConn that some people in our major were cutthroat, but I was never really friends with them, so I never really experienced that.
0: How did you avoid them?
1: Um most of it, I think it just kind of worked out that all of my friends were from completely different majors um one of my friends is going into teaching um my other friend's currently in vet school so it just i think it just kind of happened nice
0: when you were applying to medical school what was the the hardest thing about the application process
1: waiting <laughs> the yeah. the the emotions i mean once you get all the secondary applications in and I was done by like end of July. I think those were my last two secondaries came in. It's really not that hard, like, cause there's not really much to do. It's just waiting and hoping that I'm going to get, I would get an interview and get into a school. Um, and there I did, th- I went on three interviews. I got four, but I turned one of them down because, um, I realized that there was compulsory, um, research that I didn't want to do um but what the first one that I interviewed at I thought I was safe because they said oh by this certain date if you don't hear back that means you probably got in well a month after that um I found out that I didn't get in and so I really thought I had really convinced myself that I was getting in <laughs> which I don't do that to yourself anybody like don't convince you don't say oh I'm gonna get in I'm not gonna get in." and just let it be <laughs> Um, so that was really heartbreaking. And I think that ended up making it worse because I was pretty early on in the cycle. Um, and I was just, I kept getting waitlisted. I got waitlisted at my other two schools. Um, so I really, the like, I was really convinced that I wasn't getting in. And I think for a good five month period, that was really hard.
0: I love stories of students who leave an interview and go oh that was awesome they they said these amazing things i'm gonna get it i'm gonna be accepted here and then they they're rejected and they're like what happened i don't know what happened <laughs> and then they walk out of interviews like that was terrible he hated me i'm never getting in and they get accepted make like, wait a minute i thought that was the worst interview ever so it's just it goes to show you that your subjective um uh, appreciation of what happened is is not reality so you just have to ignore it
1: exactly and um even it's funny cause where I ended up, I, I wouldn't say my impression was bad. It's just, I came. it was only two hours away from Yukon, So I did it in a day. So I didn't really get a good feel for the school. And then I ended up here and it definitely was not my first choice. And now I'm super happy.
0: What made that switch for you for not being your first choice to now you're happy?
1: Uh, probably, well, first of all, they accepted me. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and then I, they did a second look day, so I came for second look day, and I got to, I got like a refresher, because I definitely, you forget, like I interviewed in September, and I came back in April for second look day, and I got accepted in February, so like that's kind of like a long wait time, um, so I came for second look day, and everybody who was here was so welcoming, and so helpful, and I realize that's the environment I want to be in and also I just want to point out it was not a front that they were putting on like all the other like upperclassmen are so supportive and so helpful people will stop me in the hallway and give me tips on whatever block we're currently on yeah
0: that's awesome your transition to medical school we were kind of talking before we hit record about (laughs) the transition from undergrad and hearing the stories of what medical school is like to now being a medical student, what, what has that reality been for you? That transition?
1: It's hard. I mean, I think I don't, I try to share how, like if things are going hard, but at the same time, sometimes I have no motivation to post. Um, And that's kind of my philosophy is if I don't have the motivation, if I don't have the heart in it, I'm not going to post, but the transition really has been a struggle for me, um, because it's, you know, getting, first of all, there are habits that I have from undergrad that I'm still trying to overcome. Um, figuring out how to study is hard. If it Studying in medical school is completely different than it is in um, undergrad, because there's just this sheer volume that you don't get in undergrad. Mm. Um, like biochemistry, for example, we would do in 16 weeks in college. Biochemistry in medical school, we do in maybe a week and a half.
0: <laughs> Here you go. Good luck.
1: Yeah. It, and so that's been the biggest struggle for me is finding out how to study um, and also getting out of that habit of not asking people for help. Um, so I've been trying not to continue to do that because my last block, which was musculoskeletal, and it's a lot of anatomy. I'd never done that before. Um, it was a big struggle and I did not do as well on that exam as I wanted to. Um, so I kind of had to say what I'm, I had to like get over myself and Mm -hmm. say, I need to go talk to our Dean and she's basically like our mom at school. Um, and we've completely changed the way that I'm studying. And so hopefully that's going to help.
0: How do you how do you evaluate that though? Like because most students coming in they're like this is what's worked for me, this is what's going to continue to work for me. How do how do you know it's your study technique and not you're just not smart enough for med school?
1: Um I don't think anybody's not smart enough for med school. <laughs> Good answer. Um, so, it's all about the work that you put into it. So, um and generally in med school, honestly the problem is either some kind of mental health, which is pretty common, or it's the way you're studying, or just it's something like that. It's not that you're not smart enough, it's just some other factor is playing a role. Um and so I I just know it's my studying technique because if I'm say studying one night and I feel like I'm retaining the information, but then I'm actually not, I'm not, it's not translating well to the test um and i'm forgetting it pretty quickly then i think the way that i'm trying to learn it is just not it doesn't it's not compatible with my brain
0: yeah did you find any good resources to for different study techniques that worked for you
1: um so my school's very helpful so they 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 have educational specialists come in um they gave us this really nice outline of things to work on um and i think just critical for me at least from the last block to this one it's trying to think of what i'm doing and i i always have to you always have to take a step back and look at it from an objective standpoint it's what am i doing what are the habits and what can i change and i think i what i was doing is i was just passively studying and so i think just being able to recognize that is the first step and then taking that to somebody else who could help you who knows more about this than you do.
0: You are an Instagrammer. How much of being a social media person and ch- kind of sharing your life on social media, how much of that do you think affects your ability to study?
1: Um I don't think it really does just because the way I handle it is if I'm really busy, I'm just going to turn off my phone. Um I consider it more of a hobby than, I think when I was a pre-med, I considered it more of kind of like a job, even though it's like, I wasn't getting paid for it, but, um, I considered it more of a job. Whereas now I know it kind of needs to be, it, it can't be number one right now. Um, so I, I'm sure a lot of people have noticed that I don't post as much. Um, I, and I'm like really behind on messages, but I know that it can be a distraction. So I do what I can to not make it a distraction. And I just focus on it more when I can, but I just put it away when I can't.
0: I think too many students don't, don't do the putting away part, and they, they check and they get a notification and it's like, Oh, somebody liked my, my post or Oh, somebody commented or so somebody mentioned me in their story. And it it's a huge distraction. And I always love to mention the study that came out about um, focus and that the focus that you were in, the 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 kind of flow that you were in before distraction, whether it's a notification or a text message or something, it takes about 20 minutes for your brain to get back to that level of focus that you were before. So if you get like three notifications during an hour, you basically just wasted your hour.
1: I believe it. That's pretty <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I don't know about Androids, but on on the iPhone, if you swipe up on your screen, there's a little menu that comes up, and there's a little like moon shape, and you could click that, and it'll put on Do Not Disturb.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: So that's what I do. I put it on Do Not Disturb so that when I am taking a mental break, that's when I look at it. But otherwise, I'm not distracted.
0: Nice. That's that's a huge part of it. Let's talk about motivation. When you're in medical school and even as a pre-med, that especially as a pre-med, you're kind of in that grind of I need I need to be perfect and you lose that motivation. And then in medical school, you, you kind of lose that desire to be perfect and you just wanna <laughs> you wanna stay afloat. Yes. And and people will especially for social media, they'll see all the good stuff that you're posting. Uh, and they go, Oh wow. How do you, how do you do this all the time to, to post all this awesome stuff on social media and you're, you're a great medical student and you're always motivated. How do you, how do you answer that question?
1: Um, I'm not always motivated. <laughs> um, I like to think of it like this. So you go, I, I worked as a desk job full time over the summer. Um, I didn't really like it. I mean, I liked the people I worked with, but I hated the job. And, uh, it doesn't mean that I can just stop showing up even though I don't want to. You just, you go and you do it. And so when I'm not motivated, I get out of my bed, I turn off the TV, and I I just study. You don't have to be motivated to do something. You can just do it. But um, And sometimes if it's, say, at the beginning of a block um, or I've been studying for several hours, if I'm not motivated, sometimes I will take that as a sign that I do need a break because burnout is a huge thing issue. Um, but I'm definitely not motivated all the time. And if I'm being perfectly honest, if somebody says that they are motivated all the time and that they can just look at some like picture online and be like automatically motivated and they're telling you that like, that'll work for you. That is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) They're on some happy
0: pills. That's what makes them motivated.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And Don't believe like nobody should ever believe what everything that's on social media. Yeah. Just because somebody seems like they're motivated and perfect all the time doesn't mean that it's true and it's either a front or they just don't feel comfortable talking about it. But it's just not the reality.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite quotes for motivation, I I don't know who to attribute it to, but the the quote is that you don't smile because you're happy. You're happy because you smile, and so the the whole motivation thing you, you you're not always going to have the motivation, but once you kind of take that first step and you go and study, even though you aren't motivated and you realize oh this is this is awesome to be studying and you know, um you, you you hopefully get a little bit more momentum and you get a little bit more motivated to uh to continue down that path
1: oh for sure, and I think I always try to if i'm not motivated i'll try to study the lecture, maybe that one lecture that I thought was really interesting and that'll help get me into the groove.
0: Yeah. I love that. There's a, there's a fun exercise trick to, for, for people who aren't motivated to exercise, be like, just get down, do one push up. And of course, if you do one, you're not going to get all the way down there and just do one, you're going to do a couple. And so if you're stuck in that motivation thing, be like, all right, I'm just going to I'm going to read 5 pages. That's all I'm going to do today. I'm not motivated. And then once you're in it, then you're like, "Okay, I'll go ahead and read 20. I'm I'm good."
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The the motivation kind of runs together with how well you do in school. Motivation and and doing well kind of go hand in hand. When you do well, you feel super happy and extra motivated. But what about a student who doesn't do well in a class. For for the pre-meds, I'm sure you get a lot of pre-med students that reach out to you yes. and say, Catherine, I, I, I'm a freshman. I want to be a doctor. I've always wanted to be a doctor. This is my dream. It, it has to happen. But I got a, a B in, in my chemistry. I got a C in my chemistry. Is my is my dream over? Should I give up?
1: What do you say? Uh, that's, that's an easy answer. That's no, don't <laughs> give up. Um, no, obviously... It, Um, excluding the people who get, say, a D or an F, which to those people I always say just retake it, um, which is not, like, the end of the world. Um, a C is also not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I've had, like, B minuses. I did get a C, but that was later. Um, I had, like, some B minuses in, like, pre-med classes. Yeah. It was fine. Um, you just, especially as a freshman, you're taking lower level classes and you're transitioning, whereas you're going to be taking, when you're older, you're going to be taking high level uh, science classes. And that's kind of where you can make up for it. Um, But a a B or a C is not the end of the world. I got a lot of Bs in college. Um, uh, Even my pre-med advisor said, oh, your GPA is not, the high is not your strongest part of your application but
0: what was your gpa
1: um when i applied my cumulative was a 3.48 and my science was a 3.4
0: yeah so a lot of students look at that and think i'm going to do a post-bac
1: yeah no i didn't (laughs) even consider that to be honest
0: yeah let Uh, what the the advice that i always give if you're around that even if you're a little bit lower the advice that I always give, unless there is some huge red flag that says, "No, it you need to take a step back." The advice that I give is: let the medical schools tell you no. You can't you can't assume just because you have a three four or three three or three two that you are not going to get in. Let the medical schools tell you no, and then it, you figure out what you need to do to fix that.
1: Exactly, and I mean, maybe you are not going to get into Harvard, but and I I totally hate the tier system of medical schools because it says nothing about the school it just it's basically based on research and a lot of people don't realize that it's based on how much they publish um so i don't like that and like maybe you get into a lower tier school or uh uh, to some people get into a do school which is apparently a bad thing to some people um that like, what's the problem? You're going to be a doctor and that's not going to play a role in your career.
0: Yeah, from from this side of it, having gone through medical school at one of the quote unquote lower tier schools, the tier system is a pre-med thing. It's it's not anything other than that. Um, some students will argue, well, look at the residencies at like Harvard and, and wherever else, and they only take the top of the top. Like, well, my wife went to, New York Medical College, right along with me, and she did her residency at Harvard, and so it, everything is everything is anecdotal. Once you're in medical school, and and you look at residencies, be like, oh, they only take from Wash U and from, from Stanford. You, you just you you can't prove anything from where somebody went to school. They have to still work their butt off to get great grades, to be AOA, to get great g- board scores, to get those top residencies and you can do that at any school.
1: Exactly. And I mean I would say the quality of education at my school which is a quote unquote low tier school is just as good as it's going to be at Harvard. One of our deans actually wrote step 2 uh, CS which is clinical skills, so we kind of had the advantage there.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Um so like you don't know anything just because it's ranked doesn't mean it says anything about the quality of the education and the matching, because I looked at my school's match rate or match where they matched and it's still really good. And it honestly, residency is also kind of objective. I mean, obviously there are some that may be not as good as others. Um, but at the same time, it's like, what do you want out of residency? Do you want to be at a huge academic center? Do you want to be more at a community center for your residency? So I think people don't realize that there's so many more factors. And even I didn't know until recently that there's so many other factors to a residency than just name. Yeah,
0: tons and tons. That's why I do um, the Specialty Stories podcast. We talk about residency selection a little bit in there. What? Yeah. What do you think is one of the biggest myths surrounding being a pre-med and getting into medical school?
1: That you have to be perfect. <laughs> I was definitely not perfect. I just said what my GPA was. Um, and there are other ways you can make up for it by being an interesting person. And um, grades are not everything. They are not. You can have a 4.0 and a 5.21 MCAT and not get into M- uh, into med school because you've got nothing else going on for you. That's all you've done is your grades. But um, just be an interesting person. Do things that you love to do. You don't have to just sacrifice something um, just because you, quote unquote, don't have time for it.
0: What was the the best pre-med extracurricular that you did?
1: Um, hmm. Probably field hockey my junior year. Because I used to play field hockey in high school, and then I got a knee injury, so I couldn't do that. Um, And I had knee pain for a long time, like four years before I finally saw a doctor who helped me. (laughs) Um, And so that finally went away, and I realized, man, like I can do this. I I just wanted to do it for my own enjoyment. Um, And we had a club team where anybody could play. Um, So I think that was the most fun thing that I did. Um, Also, having a...
0: Did that come yep. up in your interviews at all?
1: One of them, two, one out of the three was a traditional interview. The MMIs they don't really delve into that, but yeah. um, the traditional one, uh, the only things, the only questions that the interviewer asked me were about the non-medical stuff on my application.
0: Yep, it's important to be well-rounded. <laughs> you can't just go science, 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 science. You have to be a normal yeah. person.
1: Yeah. And I had a job for three years that I, that's what I was doing over the summer before I started med school. Um, I was just doing tech support. Like for those of you who use Blackboard at your school, mm. that's what I did for three years. <laughs> so, Interesting. You have, yeah. You don't have to. Like people always say, like, do I have to have a job in the medical field? The answer is no.
0: Nope. Not at all.
1: I just recommend having a job. It's good for your resume, it's good for your application, and it's good for your money.
0: <laughs> talk. Let's talk about social media and what that has done for you, and if you think that every student coming up should start some social media stuff and start kind of chronicling their journey.
1: Um... So, well, I think as for like the second part, chronicling it, I think it's, if you want to, but it's like admittedly a lot of work. It is not people, there. people like to be engaging on that. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it unless you have a personal account that you want to do. Um, but if you have the heart and, and you want to put your soul into it, then I definitely recommend it. Um, and also, there's all this Reddit drama going on recently, and some people are saying, oh, like, I should make one so I get sponsorships for things. That is not the reason why you do Instagram.
0: <laughs> What's the Reddit drama?
1: Um, there was just a lot of people talking a lot of crap about um, Instagrammers, and okay. somebody actually posted my post, which was really annoying. I wasn't identified, but, like, they literally took my my words and put it on there to, like, like talk crap about me and redditors are not the nicest people. Well, <laughs> it's they're usually on student doctor network which is funny. Yeah. But um it was like going on until people started getting tired of it. Um and so they were saying, well these people are only doing it for the sponsorships and I I've done it. I've been sponsored a couple of times, but I only do it for things that I believe in. Yeah. And I don't get paid. I get the product for free. But I don't get money from this. Yeah. Um so that's definitely not a reason to go onto social media um and but my favorite part of it personally and this is a good reason to do it is the support system i definitely did not anticipate that but people are so supportive on instagram and as many times as i get messages that do irritate me and that does happen um i get about 10 people who are super supportive of whatever i'm doing or whatever i'm talking about
0: that's helpful do you, yeah. do you feel like it's opened up opportunities for you?
1: Um, I think just being able to engage with so many people. I
0: mean, besides other... being on this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely been able to, you know, being on here, I've been able to share more with more people. And I think um, just being able to give my wisdom, and that's something I always love to do is share my wisdom I'm not I'm not the cutthroat I was never the cutthroat pre-med I'm always the type of person who wants to give as much information to people as I can and so that's I think that's what I mostly get out of it I think
0: so as we wrap up here Catherine what would you say to the freshman sophomore out there struggling trying to figure out if if they can do it if they should do it Uh, They're questioning their path. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah. Well, definitely get experience in the field. Um, It is hard. It is. There's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, so to speak. Um, But in the end, it's worth it. And if this is something you truly want, then the only person standing in your way is going to be yourself. So just push through. Don't let don't talk yourself out of anything and um, just just never give up. And um, like Nike says, just do it.
0: All right, so there you have it. Again, that was Catherine, first year medical student. You can find her on Instagram. She is med underscore cat 28 and cat is K-A-T. So M-E-D underscore K-A-T 28 on Instagram. Go check her out. She's got over 19,000 followers right now. So I, I know she would like some more. So if you're on Instagram, go check her out. If you're on Instagram, check me out. I'm on there as well, Medical School HQ. I'm a a couple thousand behind her, but I'm trying to catch up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and found some useful information from it. I hope you join us next week. Again, if this is your first time here, join us next week where we talk to another medical student about going from the NP world to now the med school world.